sort of plants that you know take over or because um, this whole whole philosophy is you know eat the problem so if there's if there's a weed um, or something that's potentially a pest in the UK then he, he finds out if it's edible and then incorporates that into a dish um, which I think is such a cool way to look at um, something that is you know taking over or um, you know damaging the landscape it's you know just just eat it <laughs> that was Tom Hishin and this is Dugget the podcast Welcome to Dugget, your daily dose of vitamin D O U N G. Today's fact of the day in 1840, 64% of the American labor force were farmers. Now it's less than 3%, which is quite amazing that we've got that efficient with producing food. But it's also quite amazing that we've got so inefficient with how the food comes from the farm to the table, it's approximately 30% of food which is lost at the front end in the production process and then production harvest to storage and then there's another large percentage, I believe it's close to 30% that's wasted in our fridges and at the consumer end as well. So there's definitely some room for improvement which brings me to today's episode with Tom Hishin uh, where we're looking at our disconnection from food and our waste streams and um, and also his event with Douglas McMaster's at the end of this week for Orphan's Kitchen fifth birthday which is really exciting Douglas McMaster's great name that kind of sounds like a bit of a superhero name doesn't it and uh he is a bit of a superhero in creating Silo, a restaurant in Brighton in the UK, which is the UK's first waste-free restaurant. And he's bringing his philosophy and methods down under. And it was interesting how Tom reached out through Instagram to him and been following him from afar for quite some time. And I love the fact that you can just connect with your heroes just like that. So it's uh, the re- the... The two dinners this weekend are going to be $100, $120 per person. It's going to sell out really quickly because Tom doesn't want to push the tables through it all. It's not part of his philosophy. So you're going to have plenty of time to sit down and enjoy the meal and the conversation and the philosophy behind the food, which is really neat. So make sure you get a ticket before they sell out. And it's... um. A treat to be bringing you a new podcast as well. I've got some new gear, which is really exciting. Some new guests coming on the show. And um, so it was nice to tee this first one coming back with Tom. I stayed over at Tom's house with him, his beautiful fiance Sophie, and the dog Moon. And we took Moon for a beautiful walk in the morning. Had um, Went and chased some ducks. Most, mostly Moon was doing the, the duck chasing, but it was a surreal Auckland morning, you know, the misty misty ocean with the boats 
sitting there in the fog over in uh, Birkenhead Way. And it was a real cracker of a day. And then we came back and brewed one of these mushroom coffees. I meant to be avoiding the mushrooms actually for my fungus yeast kill-off, which I'm doing. But we had this mushroom coffee and, geez, after some morning yoga and the coffee, we were flying. We went and did another class at Studio Red afterwards and managed to sneak the conversation in beforehand. So hopefully it's an energizing one for you and uh yeah i recommend trying that mushroom coffee out it's a doozy and yeah make sure you get to orphan's kitchen and daily bread for your dose of goodness too without further ado i'll uh start this episode and also last note got push a man by curtis mayfield playing in the background today which was one of Anthony Bourdain's favorite tracks. It was very sad to see him go. I posted a video up with him recently, which talked to how he became who he was from working in the kitchen, learning to respect others, clean up after himself, do all the small things right, be on time. And um, I thought it was just such a wonderful message, and it's so sad to see him go. That's why I launched New Zealand's first digital detox day to raise awareness around suicide and mental health in relation to digital devices this month in July and there's also it's also plastic free July and then as Tom says in the episode July is getting a bit of a hammering <laughs> this month with initiatives but yeah we got to talk about um, not just our food systems but also our mental health issues and bring these issues to the forefront and also do something about them and it, I guess it starts at home with the way we look after ourselves so and the planet but um yeah the anthony bourdain i was it was just so sad uh, he uh, really connected with his authenticity and his message and um we need to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen because it's um yeah it's out your life is worth it's just worth so much and, and everyone's got so much value to add so if in doubt start to talk it out realize that everyone has ups and downs even the greatest so here we go enjoy the music the sounds and the wonderful message from tom hishan and thanks for tuning in you know me i'm your friend your main boy thick and thin i'm your pusher man Tommy, morning, Ted. <laughs> we got the what's the um, the morning secret coffee brew uh, here. So in here we got a bit of um, coconut butter. Um, coconut butter, not coconut oil. Sorry, coconut oil. Oh, coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a butter when it's hard, <laughs> and oil when it's not. Um, yeah, and then we just mix in a little bit of um, chaga, which is a type of native mushroom um, in America. And what that does is it, I guess, it stops your um, you having a sort of a spike of um, the caffeine spike, so it mellows it out, and you kind of just, yeah have a nice sort of productive wave of uh, energy. Oh, I could probably move the mic. Even a touch closer, closer to you, yeah. yeah. But um, 
Yes. I heard like Joe Rogan, a few of these guys, Tim Ferriss talking about the benefits of mushrooms for, it's like a superfood eh, for cognitive function. And have you yeah, found yeah. much difference using, because you got lion's mane and chaga. Yeah, it's, it's just chaga inside that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I don't have that sort of, you know, when you get sort of rush of that almost like anxiety um, when you have a coffee on an empty stomach. Um, and then also the, the coconut kind of, um, that lines your stomach as well, especially if you're not eating in the morning because um, it can be quite yeah, acidic for the body. And it, it actually tastes really good as well. It's, um, yeah, I really, I really, I'm really into it. So it's a nice wee... Discovery, and I think there's a, a New Zealand guy that's just started making sachets um, of the mushrooms, of like dried. Instant, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's made a maybe I think it's a freeze dried coffee, and he's adding lion's mane and chaga, and I, f- I don't I forget the name of the um, uh, his brand, but yeah, it's, oh, I have to check that out because um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've gone to the decaf coffee for my adrenals to get the to avoid the caffeine but when you have the we're talking about the coconut oil before and getting the ketone so it kind of mimics fasting yeah and I, Dave Asprey's got a lot of stuff with the bulletproof radio on that and but yeah it's a neat way to start the day because you're fasting till um what 2pm t- at the moment or something yeah I've, I've just been playing around with um what time sort of works and I try and I've been trying to eat eat between the a sort of six hour window so if I sort of hold off till two in the afternoon and then I can have dinner sort of before eight and I feel um, just it gives me a lot more energy throughout the day and I, I don't feel groggy and um, yeah so the I still like to drink coffee but having it on an empty stomach is not the best so the, the coconut's fantastic for that and yeah Actually, yeah, because of that energy to keep you going a little bit too. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's um, we had a a nice walk with Moon this morning. Yeah, yeah. What was, the, what was Le- the- uh, Leroy's Bush just down in um, near Little Shoal Bay in Birkenhead? Yeah, it's beautiful um, walk. And uh, yeah, the, the mist and fog was in. It was kind of like a, a surreal. Morning with the boats set, set in there, <laughs> in the harbour, and the sun coming up. Um, and and then yeah, and then we, I guess we got back here, did a little exercise and stretching, and talking about the Tibetans, the five Tibetans. Yeah, yeah, the five Tibetans. Yeah. Because what's the nor- And we're talking about the Ayurveda routine in the morning as well. Is what's your routine like at the the moment in general? I guess I just try and have a bit of, I've really tried this year to have some solid structure um, around uh, work and at home. So in the morning, um, take Moon um, take Moon for a walk first thing and then get back home and sort of just do like uh, um, the five Tibetans, which are, I guess, would you say they're yoga-based postures? Similar, guess, right? Yeah, I guess it's all coming from traditional lineages of movement for the mind or um yeah but it's got a lot of parallels but the the spinning piece is unique which i think is quite interesting yeah yeah. but the 
Is it linked to breath? It's more. It's more think, cycles think, of movement. Yeah, and I think it's all about sort of aligning um, your posture and your, mm. your spine and your chakras at the start of the day. Um, yeah, and it's actually amazing just the the core strength you can just get from that. And when I first started having a look on YouTube at people doing it, I was, I was kind of almost laughing to myself. And I was like, this. it almost looks like, you know, a bit of a piss <laughs> take, but um, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's actually quite physical. And so the mm. idea is that you start off with sort of three, three repetitions of each of the five, um, uh, five rights and then you build up to 21 and you do that every sort of add on an extra two or three every few days. And then once you start getting into, you know, 11 plus repetitions of each, um, each posture, then you start really feeling it and it's, mm. yeah. It's great, especially for my lower back because I, I spend a lot of time on my feet. Um, yeah, and so it's it's, it's cool because I love to do yoga, um, but I can't. I unlike yourself, I can't do it every day. <laughs> love to, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's sort of my morning routine. Um, yeah. Yeah, and for those who don't know, you can you can Google it. But the first exercise is like a spin to the right with your arms out wide, and then you do um, some kind of back bridges, some up dog, almost variations, and then yeah, and what are, and then the down then the down dog to up dog kind of sequence. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Is it, what's the other? So you've what? got the lying on your back and lifting your legs. Oh, the L sit um, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of stretch out your hamstrings, and I guess it does a little bit of core, and mm. and then you've got the 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 bridge, which sort of opens up your chest and um, your hip flexors. Mm. Yeah, but you should check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll put a link in the notes because it's really neat. And essentially, a lot of those moves are just moves that I inherently want to do in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And the yoga sequence as well. It yep. just feels... And having a dog as well, it's amazing just watching Moon um, in the morning, you know, when she wakes up and seeing what she does to sort of prepare her, her body. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, yeah, I mean, dogs are probably a lot more intuitive than, than humans are. And so it's it's amazing seeing the parallels and, and these exercises to say what, um, yeah, my dog Moon will do. <laughs> Yeah, I saw her do the up dog and down dog this morning, and it was. Um, I said, "That's right. That's where it comes from." It. <laughs> yeah. But, um, tapping into nature, and you talked about having the as a chef, you can do all kinds of crazy hours, but that you're trying to give yourself that morning mm. for your own headspace and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, is totally. Has that, that made a big difference to your life? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely um, created more balance um, because I guess with you know having having a restaurant and being in hospitality, you can work as many hours um, under the sun as possible, and and you know you might have a highly successful restaurant, but if you're not actually looking after yourself, um, then you know there's really no there's no point, and so. You, I think chefs, as chefs, we a lot of um, 
I see a lot of peers sort of getting to a point of burnout. And so I just, this year I just really wanted to try and um, just focus on on structure. And I think the morning's a really great time to do that. Um, so trying to get up at the same time each morning um, has helped a lot. And then just a little bit of exercise I find is a really awesome way to start. And it gives me a lot of clarity um, and, and structure to start the day. Yeah. Mm. And the um, yeah, I was th- I was thinking if, if you think of yourself as like a horse or a <laughs> you know most people treat their dogs um, nutrition and physical uh, performance better than their own yeah and I was, totally. you know if you think I, I heard someone talk about themselves as if a metaphor of a racehorse and if you had an amazing racehorse you'd want it you know be massaged after its race and do these cold baths and be fed the perfect food in these amazing stables and have these warm-ups and cool-downs and you'd be like you've got so much invested in this racehorse that you don't want it to kill over for injury or whatever but we don't yeah, take yeah. that approach to our own lives really and, and on that point do you have um, coaches or people to um, to look at those blind spots because we've all like how how have you found constantly improving yourself and your kitchen and and other aspects of your life? Is there? Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily. I've I don't have a coach. I guess I just um, I sort of got to a point. Um, after being open for a couple of years and at orphans and then just realizing that um you know i was only as good as what the restaurant could be um and so yeah just having that focus um on on sort of my own um well-being it sounds selfish but if everyone kind of looks after themselves you know with nutrition or if it's um a holistic approach or um yeah physical i think you just you naturally are a better person um and and you definitely you, your bad sides definitely come out um under stress and yeah with with my industry like stress is a part of that and so i've kind of just over the years built up different um yeah, just different activities or um, or things that I've incorporated into day to day life that I I find just really help. Um, just yeah, make me make me sort of the best version of of Tom. Yeah, Tom Hashan. <laughs> <laughs> Tom two point <laughs> What's the one? What was the one stress or advice or thing you had when it was? Um, when things get overwhelming, like have you, have you got a, a good way to reset, or yeah, I think or did you have a place that were, that you'd go to, which you knew was kind of destructive, or yeah, I think um, I think it's kind of you know, um, in in my industry, alcohol is kind of the easiest vice for people to get um, their hands on, and I also think maybe that's you know one aspect that attracts like a certain type of person that gets into hospitality um and 
and that was kind of that's one thing this year that I've really focused on and um, I've just completely cut alcohol out of my life um, and it's amazing just sort of what I was saying to you before about you know when you when you have the highs and the, and the lows throughout the year whether it's you know work related or personally related um, you naturally turn to um, or you can turn to alcohol for the positive and the negative times and it's really it's been quite an interesting exercise just identifying those times and then sort of yeah just sitting on it really and um, it, 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 it was a struggle in the beginning but once I kind of identified what I liked about alcohol and what I didn't like about alcohol it was really quite easy to go forward from there if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know yeah and we were talking before about Ray Dalio's book of first, second, third, fourth, fifth consequences and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a, a momentary bit of joy for like suffering the next day, the next week. The, yeah, yeah, um, totally. And, and long-term damage potentially, but the benefits of maybe like red wine with friends and how it can be quite good. But I was also going to say, it was interesting that you said um, like soul bar, down the waterfront, like 50% kind of you were saying used to be their turnover was alcohol. I remember dad talking about that in the restaurant game. Like, you know, they'd make their money in the booze. And and now it's shifted and you're more in the Mm. 20s or 30s or it's maybe even, you think it might even go lower than that over time as it becomes less of a trend. I think it naturally will, yeah. Um, And I don't think it's a bad thing, you know. I... I think people that are in in the sort of food industry to to make money um, through alcohol can be a dangerous um, can be a dangerous game, you know. And um, I think yeah, people are obviously just more aware of um, of how how we drink now as a culture and and where when and where alcohol is appropriate. And the, yeah, the one place I think that. Um, I've missed it the most uh, would be at the dinner table, you know, and having a glass of red wine because I do think it is like a, a food and, you know, if you're drinking beautiful organic wine, um, then there's, yeah, you get a lot of nourishment out of that. Um, and, yeah, obviously socially it's it's nice as well to, um, to chat over a glass of wine and, yeah, as, as far as the restaurant it's concerned. We, I mean, we have so many people coming every night that um, they might just, you know, sit on sit on some sparkling mineral water or a cup of tea, and I think that's quite cool, you know, because they're there for the food and, and the company, um, and and that's that's the main, you know, mm. that's the main um, reason for for what we do at, at Orphans. Yeah, because the. Like you had the vision of orphans kind of around peasant food you mentioned. Has it kind of stayed the same around kind of affordable local organic line court? Yeah, I think so. We, um, I just wanted to create something that was approachable for everyone to come and eat on sort of a day-to-day basis as well as um, for celebrations, you know, and I think we definitely stayed true to that. Um, and sort of the evolution with opening for brunch, um, we've been able to focus more on um, 
on that affordability as well as um, the nourishment and comfort food. And then in the evenings, you know, we specialise in, um, you know, using um, line caught fish and um, sustainably caught um, or farmed, farmed meats and, and organic vegetables. And, yeah, I think we've definitely um, kept, kept that under wraps. So, yeah. And expanded into daily bread recently yeah, yeah. too, which is... Yeah, amazing building and reminds me of the mill, this kind of bakery, cafe, coffee spot in San Francisco, and it's just really simple and does the simple things really well. And you've got Patrick, an amazing German baker there, and you're talking a lot about using organic um, New Zealand grains and mm. and ferment, lots of fermentation and selling sauerkraut and sourdoughs and yeah, what's what's really um, fermented that idea or got that kickstarted? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it has, that idea has been fermenting for a long time, um, and yeah. So the start of this year, we opened up, and uh, yeah, I guess the idea behind um, daily bread has sort of come from my personal journey and um, and looking at my own. Um, at my own diet and and just simplifying what I actually put into my body and uh, you know a lot of a lot of what I do put inside my body is um, has a f- uh, has been through a fermentation process um, and so we just wanted to highlight that through through what we offer and and also champion um, New Zealand wheat organic wheat um, from that's grown here because uh, you know ninety percent of the the bread consumed in New Zealand is, um, unfortunately, it's not actually a sourdough, or it's not not even grown in New Zealand. Um, it's mostly imported, and has been bleached. So, I think there's a lot of um, people out there that have probably got issues with their gut health, and um, people probably point the finger at, at gluten, and um, and that kind of you know takes a bit of gluten takes a bit of stick from from everyone but the reason people have these you know ailments and I'm not talking about celiacs here but just people that have gluten intolerances is, is more for that what they're putting in their body is um, it's probably you know flour water sugar yeast so yeast is um, a way to 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 make bread or the dough rise quickly um, and the process that we go through when we add um, the live sourdough starter or culture to our to our flour and water and salt, um, that's a 48-hour process, sometimes 72. So it can be up to three days. Um, and so the, the sourdough, it's actually um, it's, it's a living culture. We feed it um, flour and water each day, and then we take a portion um, of that sourdough for each loaf so each loaf will probably have around roughly around 10% of the sourdough and then through that fermentation process before it gets baked um, that is actually eating um, and breaking down the the structure of the wheat but also allowing um, it's it's also opening that wheat up to um, let our bodies um, access the different enzymes and nutrients from it um, and 
you know, there's been studies on um, on feeding, say, humans um, flour and water, and they might, you know, they might last for they might live for a month or so. But if you if you fed that same person um, exact same ingredients, flour and water, but culture it through a sourdough, they can live forever, you know. And so I think you can take a lot from from that process. And and yeah, I can. I mean, already you know I think the response with daily bread has been massive, and and I guess people just are just hungry for for good um, good bread again, and it's. It is the backbone of of um, the Western diet, and especially in New Zealand. You know, like I, I mean, my fondest memories are just of you know sometimes toasting up a loaf of Vogels and, and having it after school, or making mouse traps. And yeah, there's just something about that that the complexity of um, toasting grain or bread into yeah a piece and, and putting your you know your favourite preserves or vegetables or sauerkraut or, or whatever what have you on top and 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 so yeah yeah it's interesting because you're talking about how you get a pressure cooker now and and ben warren talks a lot about the gluten and the lectins and as well but it's it's like hundreds of times more when it's a gmo crop that's been sprayed and it's compared to something that's organic and it's been fermented where the proteins are broken down and I haven't noticed it. I remember having a piece of Turkish bread from the French markets. This would be like at least a year or two ago and I got instant yeah, super yeah. sore stomach, like yeah. amazing back pain. pain. Yeah. And um, I hadn't been eating any bread and I was like, damn. And then uh, I don't eat bread at all really, but I, occasionally I have... If I have it, I have your sourdough, and and I feel fine. <laughs> <on it. laughs> Moon's got a friend, <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing. The traditional, I, I think they're big in Europe and keeping that GMO out and keeping those lectins down for that that reason as well. And uh, you hear so much evidence of people feeling fine when they have a croissant in France or traditional. So that's been made yeah. traditionally. Um, yes, that's. Hello. <laughs> Moon, hey, the dog, Moon the dog's got a few yeah, friends popped outside. <laughs> Moon, Moon, come. Good cue. And what's um. And then you've got. Uh, this amazing chef from the UK, who. Which I love you talking about how he just loved his work, followed it online, and and he's got a restaurant where they don't have any waste. And it's I think it's plastic free July at the moment. Mm. No, what are we? What's the date? Yeah, uh, month of plastic free. It's dry July. Dry it's, July. It's plastic free. <laughs> July. It's everything. July's just getting a yeah. hiding, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had digital detox day on the first of July, yeah. which was good to kick it off. And we yeah. got. But I, lo- I love it how. Um, he just saw his work, loved it, reached out through Instagram, and he's coming over in a few weeks, just flying him over to cook at Orphans. Yeah. And looking at doing a bit of a podcast or video setup with him too to talk about his philosophies and everything. And um, his name's Doug as well, right? From, yeah, yeah, it is. And, um, Douglas McMaster. And so he's he's got Silo in Brighton. And 
yeah, I, um, as you said, I'd, I'd been following him on Instagram for quite a few years and he has been roughly around the same time as orphans. And um, I just, I think through through Instagram with food, especially in restaurants, it's it can be quite transparent um, to see what people are all about and and yeah, I just I just really appreciate and connect with his style and just thought it'd be fantastic to get him over here um, for our birthday and so yeah, he he said yeah we'll come over and <laughs> cook cook with us for a week so yeah it was I'm really looking forward to it actually. And that's your fifth birthday of orphans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, we're growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and what what dates he gonna be out here? Because you're gonna have. Um, uh, so he's here. Um, the two dinners we're having for our birthday will be on Saturday the twenty twenty eighth and Sunday the 29th of July. Um, twenty seventh and twenty. Uh, 28th, 29th, 28th, 29th July, yeah, and you can buy um, tickets um, through our website, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so Doug's going to be just adopting his same um, principles with cooking um, to what we have available here, so he's been asking sort of, you know, if there's any any sort of plants that, you know, take over or... Um, because his whole whole philosophy is, you know, eat the problem. So, if there's if there's a weed um, or something that's potentially a pest in the UK, then he he finds out if it's edible and then incorporates that into a dish, um, which I think is such a cool way to look at um, something that is, you know, taking over or, um, you know, damaging the landscape. It's you know just just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great! It um it reminds me of uh, even like Peter Diamandis talking about exponential technology and everything, and the biggest problems are the biggest opportunities. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like we're creating microbes that can eat plastic. Where aluminium used to be the most precious resource in the world, and then they figured out a way to like extract it from the ground, and then suddenly it's like the cheapest thing there is. Yeah. And you think, flip, if you flip that, those weeds and everything, the people that are trying to get rid of them. Yeah. And you just could create a. Just um, turn the mentality around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wonder yeah. what's, what's, in, what's in season this time of year that. Um, I know avocados are coming back in and you've got a lot of citrus and. Yeah, I mean, I think citrus is probably in Auckland. I mean, that's, that's an abundant uh, resource. Um, and so that's definitely something that he'll look at incorporating. Um, but in terms of weeds, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's everything from nettle to to nasturtium, um, chickweed. I mean, there's there's just so many edible um, plants at our fingertips. You know, that are native and and introduced. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to see what what he does. Yeah, I even loved your rhubarb rhubarb root that you dried. Yeah, the, the rhubarb root tea. Yep. Yeah, it smells fantastic and looks amazing. Mm. Um, oh, that'd be exciting! And and then you're off to Europe to see some great chefs and restaurants and travel and have a bit of a break. And, and yeah, um, yeah, do do we Ricky um, with Soph 
for uh, for a few weeks. Um, so we're going to go south south of France, um, a little bit of Copenhagen and Sweden, and then finish up in I think Puglia, uh, Puglia um, south of Italy. Yeah, but we haven't locked that one in yet. We're just tossing up a few few ideas. And noodles. Um, my sister has spent a lot of time over there and in um, Stetson's in the woods and Noma and with all, a lot of these guys and um, I guess a lot of kind of heroes of yours as well and you're staying at Stetson's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a couple of nights, which will be, yeah, geez, I'd love to get there myself. There's a sauna on the, they built this community kind of restaurant hotel in the woods and it's got this floating sauna on the lake and yeah, yeah. just kind of real farm to table. Yeah. Yes, it looks amazing. So they give you, I think they give you a, a, a larder box that's grown on site for, I think, I think it's Sunday to Thursday, and then they have chefs that come in on a Friday, Saturday. So we'll, we'll be there for a few nights, and we'll have one one meal from the chefs, and then they'll probably just cook the rest of the night. But yeah, I think it's. Uh, I I'm, can cook I'm, yourself there too. Yeah, yeah, oh, neat. yeah. Um, and I think yeah. I've always sort of connected with um, the food scene up there, and I think maybe the reason is because it's it's really similar um, geography to what we have in New Zealand, and you know lakes, fjords. Um, you know their, their seafood is isn't similar, but they have an abundance of it like we do. Um, and yeah, I think I think we can learn a lot from cultures like that are, that are sort of you know they're well established um, and the way that they farm and and eat I'm really interested in so we're we'll checking out a few organic farms as well and obviously yeah Copenhagen will be there for a few days and um, yeah the food the food scene there is just obviously blown up in the last decade so I think they've sort of come from you know what Renee did at Noma, and now they're going full circle and looking more at um, sort of super minimal intervention and and just focusing on core ingredients and putting very little on the plate, and that's sort of the area that I'm really fascinated with because um, that's how obviously I like to eat at home, and I think it can be a lot. We can learn a lot from from that. Yeah, the. It's more authentic and more mm. back, like connected to where the food comes from, and yeah, totally, and and just just taking you know a few ingredients and maybe maybe cooking it over the wood fire or um, you know in a skillet with some beautiful um, organic olive oil or or organic butter or you know just you can get something that's really really amazing and you, you your cooking time you know is is dropped and your preparation time's dropped and 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 if, if it is from you know an organic farm just knowing where it comes from I think that's um, yeah that's that's probably going to be I'd say the most powerful um, food trend we'll probably see is is um, in the next few years especially in New Zealand um, and that's something that I've been trying to champion through what we do at Orphans, mm. um, and since since we've opened, really, and, and just having direct relationships with with the farmer and and the grower, and and working with them. 
And the wood supply. And, <laughs> and the Manuka wood supply, <laughs> for sure. It's all connected. Yeah. And Christian Polynesia is kind of your, um, you mentioned maybe one of your heroes in terms of who you've followed and his philosophies. So is there anything that stands out about him? Yeah, I think um, I just think his his approach to to his food and um, just the bigger picture. Really, he's he, you know he's a very humble guy, and I think he's he's not just trying to create amazing, delicious food. He's trying to create. Um, he's just focusing on the bigger picture, and in turn, um, deliciousness just naturally comes. Um, which you know as a chef you can get to a point where you know you know how to make something taste amazing you know it's not it's it's science and it's you know that's what everyone as a as a young cook wants to do is to be able to make beautiful food but if you start focusing on you know how and where it's grown or um even like you know what Dan Barber's been doing with row seven seeds recently, and cross pollinating heritage seeds for for flavour and, um, yeah, I think I think that's a really good space to be in. And Christian, um, through what he's done with his his flagship restaurant Relay, which is fine dining, um, and and to see sort of his evolution. Um, as well and you know the bakery that he's opened um, a couple years back and now he's got um, a vegetarian restaurant and everything comes from um, his farm which is called the farm of ideas you know so that's obviously where they're seeding everything and so from the farm that dictates what goes on the menu you know and they've, they've got buffalo there where they make amazing mozzarella and He's got a pizza restaurant that you know uses that buffalo mozzarella and and they're curing and um, dry curing meats and and putting that on the menu as well and so that that sort of thing really excites me and it's it's um, you know that that whole style of preservation and obviously fermentation that's you know these are all ancient techniques that I feel like we we just really need to, to embrace because. It's it's just a really great way to nourish ourselves, and it just takes out uh, just so many processes that don't need to be there. And you know those processes are harmful to our bodies. I think our generation, we've kind of we've come out the other end of it. You know, we're born in the in the eighties and nineties, um, sort of at the end of that. You know, obviously the industrial revolution happened a lot earlier, but through that revolution came convenience and it was convenience from everything from packaging to cooking um, with the microwave and um, and just adding you know preservatives to food that you know essentially make it shelf stable um, so so through I guess cutting all that out what we find is um, it's just something a bit more honest and um, and just um, I guess produce driven um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, is there, yeah, I think there's a big movement towards that now, especially with the science is proving what people have known intuitively for so long. And 
I was thinking back to that Michael Pollan series he had on foods and air and fermentation and fire and mm. and um and there's a great longevity project out which talks about a lot of this stuff. The science is I guess is backing up what's mm. people have known intuitively. But back to that kind of eat the problem idea, is there any like kind of doing it with the bread and um so many things at orphans, are there any other problems you're kinda of excited about? Uh Eating like eating wise, or or just <laughs> <laughs> or just in terms of um, problems in the food industry that you, you, you're keen to kind of solve or yeah, I think uh, packaging for me is um, like one thing that uh, that really um, hits home, and especially now you know there's a lot of talk in the media about um, all our waste not being able to go to China, and, and everyone's freaking out about it, but. You know, we're, we're the ones that are creating the waste, so well, let's just stop creating it. And I think it's a, just such a no-brainer. And, and, you know, when when we opened Orphans, it was, um, you know, I was, I was a young chef and I wanted to create delicious food and I didn't understand um, the rest of the sort of issues around the food systems and food culture in New Zealand. And now, five years in... Um, I'm a lot more aware of those and so you know when businesses you know we're building um daily bread um i really wanted to just take waste out of of that equation so you know we've got commercial composting bins on site so we essentially don't all of our um packaging is compostable so it's all very well using compostable packaging but you know, if you're going to put that in landfill, it's still going to be hanging out of landfill and not decomposing, you know. So mm. we're trying to teach people that, you know, it's all good to, to use this composting packaging and that's what we should be striving for. But, you know, you've still got a responsibility at the end of the day to, to um, decom- you know, let that decompose and, and put that back out of the earth as, you know, carbon and, and that, that sinks the carbon. Um so that's that's one thing that we're yeah just just trying to focus on um and and it's been it's been cool so we work with suppliers on that as well but yeah packaging's definitely and that's a that's a big issue yeah and and you just you just have to walk around around the supermarket to know that stuff in packets generally isn't good for you you know so just just eat something that's not in its, you know, it's in its own natural packaging, you know, like a banana. <laughs> it's the most, you know, nature has the solutions every single time. And you look at every single um, edible food, you know, or it doesn't necessarily have to be edible, but, you know, nature will have the answer. So I think we just have to look more closely and work with nature and not against it. Mm. And we're, we're still looking at doing the class at Studio Red. Well, that's be... up to you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> the, we're the time we're, we're 5 to 12, aren't we? Yeah, and it's, it's uh, trying to fit it all in. Normally, if I know the instructor, a.k.a. Doug Moores, I might <laughs> flip the a text lights. out. Yeah, <laughs> Keep <laughs> the door open. Studio Red, we've got fifth. Oh, yeah, we can get there with um, five yeah. minutes to spare. So maybe if we wrap it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up now. Here then is the... Um, wrap it up in, in, in sort of some compostable packaging. Yeah, wrap it up. <laughs> and is there any last uh, message for the 
for the day, maybe around that kind of eat eat the problem or the packaging. Yeah, sentiment. yeah, yeah. I think just just working with nature, um, not against it, and yeah, just just look after yourself. <laughs> and because looking after yourself, you know, if we're selfish and um, we look after ourselves, you know, and nourish ourselves, um, in turn, like we will be choosing organics, we'll be choosing vegetables. Um, and that's all we really have to do to sort of, I guess, make, um, yeah, just make make things a bit better and, and easier on, on our land. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it from me. And get down to orphans for... Come uh, down to our fifth birthday um, at the end of the month, 28th, 29th of July, book your tickets, bring your friends, and um, it'll be a great time with some delicious food, beautiful company, and... Special guest. Special guest, Douglas McMaster, from all the way from Brighton, UK. So big up to him for flying over, and yeah, we'll see you down there. Beautiful. All right, better hit some yoga. Sounds good. (laughs) Cheers, Tommy. What a delicious and nutritious episode that was. I love the sentiment of reconnecting with our our food and particularly the eat the problem which is such a great philosophy for life and um, you know hopefully it sparks your imagination to turn what is an obstacle into an opportunity as the stocks would say so you know there's a problem in your life turn it into a blog a, a business a product a story uh, uh, even just some motivation to take action and uh, to help improve the lives of others, um, I think it's it's. If you're looking for somewhere to start, start with a problem. <laughs> if you solve it for yourself, you can solve it for many. And uh, make sure to get along to uh, Douglas McMaster's. Check out his stuff. All the show notes, and um, also Orphans Kitchen Daily Bread. Get that fermented sourdough. If you're going to eat bread, you got to eat the good stuff. And um, much love. Thank you for listening to me on the airwaves. So nice to be back with the podcast, with the new gear, with some new guests. So really excited to keep spreading the love and uh, all this little notification. A little love from someone digitally. And so if you enjoy the episode, please share, review. I feel like there must be something better to do. An action call. But anyway, take action. Thank you. Think less, experience more. Hope you dug it. <laughs>